podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. On this week's episode, we have beauty pageants again. Yay! Some hicks, some fictionalised Nazis, and the most aggressively perfumed man in movie history. His Film, Her Movie, the film podcast where it's two hosts must choose a film based on the theme of that week. Yes. My name is Jordan. My name is Lauren and I am not yet in my pyjamas <laughs> at half seven at night. So I'm going to count it as a functioning adult day. Yes. But we are um, a couple of film lovers. Yes. We are also a couple. Yes. <laughs> you said that way. We're also a couple. Yeah. We? Well, we ne- got married nearly a year ago, so I we hope did. we are. We did. But, was um, it just for the tax write-off, Jordan? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you don't get bedroom tax nowadays, do you? No, you get like a marital tax break, I'm no. sure. I, well, I, I, I haven't seen any of that thing. Well, Facebook keeps on advertising it to me. I think it's marital tax if you're married and you're unemployed. Oh. oh okay, I don't know. I don't click on any adverts like that. Because I keep on getting adverts of that and those hoodies, hoodies. Yes. The oversized hoodies. So I don't want to click on marital tax things because then I'm just going to be inundated with weird algorithms. Um, yes, I, that's exactly right. But we are not a podcast about Facebook ads. We're a, <laughs> we're, we're a podcast about movies. Yeah. And yet, as I say... We have a theme each week. We both must choose a film off that theme. Yes, we do. So what is this week's theme? This week's theme was quirky movies. Yes, those sort of offbeat, off-kilter movies that um, some people love and some people hate. I, I think that's quite a... A Marmite film. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's very much, especially with my choice, is either you like the style or you don't like the style. It can be very sort of hit or miss. Really? I always think like the film that you picked when we get into it... If you don't like that style, you're just wrong. <laughs> There's many that don't. Ugh. However, so what films did we choose? So what is your quirky movie? My quirky movie, as usual, I have gone down a bit of the traditional chick flick sort of route. And I have gone for the uh, 1999 mockumentary Drop Dead Gorgeous. Yes, and I went for 2014's Oscar-nominated film, um, The Grand Budapest Hotel, directed and written by Wes Anderson. Yes. Now, anybody who does know their movies, quirky is sort of synonymous with Wes Anderson, so I'm looking forward to get into that. Um, as always, um, we'll start off the show with a bit of a, a beg... Which, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not the best thing to do when you... when a you beg. Yeah, a bit of a... I'm going to start begging for something, which is for Apple Podcast reviews. Yes, please. So if you if you listen to the podcast, it doesn't matter which um, for, format you listen on, you can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, or use other podcatcher software or apps on your phone. However, like, 
Apple's podcast, what which was iTunes, that their reviews and their star ratings really does help boost the show. Oh, it really does. Like the, as soon as you start getting them um, rated, it, it it just means it then the Apple then start recommending them to other people. Absolutely, and it would mean so much for us if we could just get some ratings. Literally, it'll take you thirty seconds. Yeah, and I used to is put five stars and. I don't know. Love it. There you go. I've written your review for you. <laughs> just just put that down. Absolutely. And that is probably the housekeeping for this week. Just a bit of a go on, text 30 seconds, go and give us an Apple podcast review. Thank you very much. Thank you. Which film do you want to start with? We'll start with yours this week because we started with mine for the past couple of weeks. Right, so we will start with the Grand Budapest Hotel. Who are you? I'm Zero, sir. The new lobby boy. Zero, you say? Yes, sir. Well, I've never heard of you. Never laid eyes on you. Who hired you? Mr. Mosher, sir. Mr. Mosher? Yes, Monsieur Gustav. Am I to understand you've surreptitiously hired this young man in the position of a lobby boy? He's been engaged for a trial period, pending your approval, of course. Uh, perhaps, yes. Thank you, Mr. Mosher. You're most welcome, Monsieur Gustav. You're now going to be officially interviewed. Should I go and light the candle first, sir? What? No. Experience. Hotel Kinski, kitchen boy, six months. Hotel Berlitz, Mop and Broom boy, three months. Before that, I was a skillet scrubber. Experience in the zero. Thank you again, Mr. Gustav. Straighten that cap, Anatole. The pleasure's mine, Hirschneider. Mr. Asbusters. These are not acceptable. I fully agree. Education. I studied reading and spelling. I started my primary school. I almost finished. Education, zero. Now it's exploded. Good morning, Cicero. Call the goddamn plumber. This afternoon, Monsieur Christophe. Will that fail for our lead, please? What on hell is this? Not now. Family? Zero. So the Grand Budapest Hotel, how do I synopsize this film? Because it does, ha- it has stories in different times, but I'm... I can synopsize it. Go on then. The tale of a man's fortune with all the colourful characters it entails. Yes, but most of it takes place within the 40s. Um, with it's still a tale of his fortune. Yes, it is. But as I said, the main character, it's worth the main character is probably Zero. Yes. Um, and Gustav H, who's played by Ray Fiennes, who is the concierge of the Grand Budapest Hotel. This very, well, back in the 40s, this very prestigious, fancy hotel, mm-hmm. um, spa hotel. On top of a mountain. On top of a mountain in a fictional land. Uh, it, it's his story and the story of him inheriting some art from one of his lovers. Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton and lots of makeup, yes. Tilda Swinton looking awesome, as usual. Absolutely. So why did I pick this film? Like... It's one of those things where if you Google quirky film, the entire filmography mm-hmm. of Wes Anderson comes up. Yeah, definitely. And so why pick the Grand Budapest Hotel? Because I, Wes Anderson hasn't made a film that I don't like. I like his shtick. I like the style. I like the visuals mm-hmm. of his movies. I like the rhythm and just the way that people interact with each other and speak. His style is, I mean, it's, it's, it's attractive to me. Yeah. But why the Grand Budapest Hotel? Because I actually do think it is 
the crystallization of his filmography until that part. If it, it's sort of like the best of all the worlds that he's created, hmm. it's his visual style as turned to eleven as over the top as you could physically think of it. The characters are so not real, but it. it as real as you can really expect in a Wes Anderson universe. Mm-hmm. And there's some of the things that regarding Wes Anderson films, because of because his sort of style, because his aesthetic is so bold and so knowing, yeah, that his films can be sort of criticised as being a little bit cold. But, but I, I don't that's think ironic since it was set in a place that snored all the time. <laughs> that is true. Thanks, but. Yes, but I don't think that's the same with the Grand Budapest Hotel. No, not at all. I, I think it does have a, a nice warmth to it, mm-hmm. um, with two relationships within the film, and um, both involving Zero. And yeah, it's. I mean, I remember watching this film for the first time. I, I saw this film at the Berlin Film Festival. It was the first film that I saw of that festival. Mm-hmm. I remember going into a packed um, cinema to watch it, and just being a fan of Wes Anderson, and just thinking. Whilst I was watching, I was like, this is just the perfect blend of his his skills. It's, it's him at the height of his power. Mm-hmm. You've got a, a, a character in Gustav H. who is so insanely watchable. Yeah. It's incredibly funny without being like overly comedic. Mm-hmm. It's just because it's all through character and little situational beats. Like, Gustav H, his little outbursts, his little sort of expletives, because he is so... Restrained. Well, well, well he's camp. He's restrained. He's, he's yeah. very camp, he's very over the top, mm-hmm. but then he uses the most flowery, flowery language, but then just his... The, the, some of the, some of the swear words and the outbursts that he comes with, it's, it's brilliantly, brilliantly done. And yeah, it, it is, it's gorgeous like mm-hmm. the whole one thing you get with visual with the visuals part of Wes Anderson is that it is everything seems to be symmetrical he likes to shoot stuff in the center of frame mm-hmm. he likes that crisp aesthetic and yeah I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it uh, to be honest I didn't really even write that many notes whilst watching because it's been a few years before I've seen this film and I just enjoyed watching it, it, it it's it's yeah, 90, I didn't it's, write many. It's 99 minutes of perfection. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, what did you think about it? Like, I... I This is one of my favourite Wes Anderson films. I think it's a beautiful film. Um, when you first see the Grand Budapest Hotel, it's obvious it's the... Seven, like, late 70s, early 80s sort of communist taken over sort of hotel everything's that orange that was such a big thing and if you say like a 70s orange i think everybody knows Mm. what kind of orange terracotta it no it's like it's like a weird it's not terracotta and it's not like a burnt orange it's like it's a very warm color but the minute you sort of see it you're like 70s yeah 70s decor and that's how the hotel looks it's a faded beauty of what it once was mm. but even little things like you see them in the uh in the baths like not not the actual bath like the the spa bit 
and you can see that it would have once been beautiful but the blues have faded and the whites are grimy and just lots of little tiny details to really help you immerse in his world yeah which i find amazing and then you go in the past and i'm sorry where's anderson made up millennial pink before it was a thing <laughs> that hotel looks amazing it's it's like an ombre pink gorgeous wish i could do the house like that <laughs> be amazing everything is just it's so rich and so wonderful and it really does because of course they were always talking about harking back to a golden age and when you see the hotel like that you really can believe that it was a golden age there's rich carpets everywhere everything is it's all very pinks and very red and then um there's a lot of purple which of course these are colors that take more expensive dye purple is in, was traditionally the uh the, the color of royalty yeah because it was so expensive to try and do it and even now if you look out in nature there's not a huge amount of things that are naturally like the deep purple that he has for these kinds of costumes yeah so it is very much harking back to that sort of era and just just everything is be oh the costumes are always beautifully well tailored but it just transforms. I think for me, it it transforms you to that world. It's completely, but it's like little things like yeah. that. Like we joke about how it's Tilda Swinton with like loads of makeup on, but she is the way she looks, the way she's dressed, all of her like like the little things like the, her rings and everything. You say rich widow. The minute you look at her, yeah, but. It, it's a believable character. You see her and you'd be like, okay, I could imagine somebody actually looks like that rather than the... Everything is just done to absolute perfection. And of course, you get to see this hotel, which is full of like ornate gold and art deco mixed from the 20s, going into a slightly more flowery style in like the 40s of like the, the metalwork everywhere, the ornate carpets, everything. Honestly, I went through the whole whole of this film. I was going, Jordan, I want to do the house out like this. <laughs> we do not have enough room for me to be able to do the house out like this. And it's like it's even the quirkiness of. I mean, one of the main things I remember seeing it when I first saw the trailer is the way he uses the aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. So each different time has a different aspect ratio, and it's just how it flits between them, just so effortlessly, mm-hmm. but how it really accentuates the time that you're in. Um, Especially with the the main storyline um, set in the forties, it, it that sort of one eight five that box, yeah, it's it's beautifully done, so so beautiful. Also, the way like he uses just light in general yeah. is wonderful. Like when you first when Zero first starts telling the story, when it becomes a more um, a, a more intense part where everything else sort of fades, the use of the the, the actual physical lights in the restaurant that him and, of course, Jude Law, because Jude Law is in it. Yeah. He is, um, he's the gentleman who Zero is talking to. Um, everything sort of fades away and they change colour to signify that they're going back into the story, which has then been used by so many other people. Like the most recent one I actually remember seeing is Ratchet, when certain things happen, the use of colour to set the tone 
but it's they're using the same they're not just putting a filter on they're using the actual lights that are built into yeah. the set and that's what Wes Anderson does it and feels like, staged it does it feels like it could be part of a stage play but then again when he is in the modern times I sort yeah. of say everything has like a sepia tone because it's meant to be um autumn it's meant to be end of season but it's still you know bright summer and everything which of course matches perfectly in with all the oranges that are around but then when you go back to the golden age everything's very it's very bright it's very clean even the shots at night are still beautifully lit so that way the the, the modern day seems fuzzier whereas the the past seems brighter yeah, yeah. and clearer, which I think is a very good example of how Zero is telling his story because, like, in his past, that was his happy time. It's nostalgia. It, it is. Nostalgia's always sort of <clears throat> filtered through a sense of longing and generally of, of happy thoughts and happy days. Yeah, and he does that beautifully to, to showcase that. I think it looks... Really, really good. Um, I think. Yeah, I think Ray Fiennes is. The, I mean, it's a what well, probably my favorite performance from him because mm-hmm. he is an actor that is not known for his comedic. It's nice to see him not playing a Nazi. He was well, well, true, and um, what he's played, he's only played it once. Yeah, no, but in my but, head, but a villain really, a villain, like, yeah, and like yeah, he's not he's not known for his comedic chops, but what and one thing that he does. So correct. The correct choice was he plays everything very sincere. Mm-hmm. Like the character is funny, but he's not making jokes. He, you're not. He's not laughing at anybody. No, and you're not laughing at anybody. You're laughing more at the situation and how he is dealing yeah. with the situation. Um, although I don't really want to say spoiler. It's an old enough film for people to have seen, mm. but. He ends up going to prison at one point, but he still has the upper hand. He is the person who will make the best out of any situation. So you're never actually laughing at a misfortune that's become him. You're laughing at him because he's in this bad thing and he's still like, I'm still the best person here and I'm going to get out of this and everything's going to be great. And he does. Yeah. And he completely follows through. He is the person who is just like hard work and perseverance will get us through this and we will remain respectable, we'll remain good people and we'll do what we have to do and we will defeat this. Well, that's it. And it is a love story. Yes, you do have the relationship between Zero and Agatha, mm-hmm. which which is lovely, but it is a love story between Zero and Gustav H. Yeah. And, and their relationship and how they are sort of just, just two peas in a pod. And perfectly sort of blended and, and yeah, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful movie. I cannot. And the thing is, I, I when you said it was ninety nine minutes, in my head I always thought it was longer. Yeah. And I think I always feel like it's longer because so much happens in it. Moves at a clip. It, but it moves fast. Yeah. But there's just so much to take in and so much to like. See, you could probably watch it twice in one night, back to back, and spot different things. Oh, absolutely, I think because it, it is as you said, like you're talking about the colours and whatever, like the sets are so rich. But the way he designs his characters, like mm-hmm. literally, Willem Dafoe has maybe two lines in this film. <laughs> he looks as creepy as hell. But but you remember his look. Oh yeah. And, his, and, and 
Adrian Brody, Jeff Goldblum, mm-hmm. all of those guys are so distinctive within within the movie. And yeah, and it's it's for me, it's just the control. It's Wes Anderson, really. I mean, we can get into the artifacty of, of auteur theory and things like that, but you see a frame of a Wes Anderson film, of a, a Wes Anderson film, or he a, a scene, and you just know you're in one of his movies, yeah. and he is so good at controlling what's in his frame, and knowing that every little minutia, every little detail has to be perfect. And I think that's why I like it. Yeah. I like it. I like the fact that he puts that much effort into creating a world for the for the people to go in. And I know, like, I have talked more about how it looks, but to me, that is a that is a big thing. Well, it's a huge thing about Wes Anderson. It's a huge thing about Wes Anderson films. But the, I feel like the first time you watch it, and I haven't watched it a little while, I feel like the way it looks makes the first imprint on you and that's why I think you could watch it twice in one night mm. so like the first one you get the shock of the colour and the richness and honestly the most perfect costumes like the the bellboys costumes are just cut perfectly and they all have red shoes if you notice that mm. most people have a, have red shoes in that right. if they have money ah. which I notice so everybody working in the hotel has red shoes and then all of Adrian Brody's um, family have red shoes as well. There we are. So there you go, because they have cash. <laughs> but, so then you can then watch it a second time and then really, really then like appreciate the acting and the story and everything else yeah. about it. Absolutely. Um, I do. I lo- I, it's, it's a film I love as well. It is. I mean, I can gush about it for a lot. To be honest, I can gush about practically everywhere's Anderson <laughs> film. And, the, and one will probably get come up, come up again. Um, on this podcast at some point but yeah the Grand Pedro Best Hotel if you haven't seen it do yourself a favour um, it's just, just over an hour and a half yeah it's, it's a very quick movie and then it, yeah I think honestly I think it's a great film and for those people who don't like it I'm very sorry but I can't see why you wouldn't like it yeah I think it's for the literally criticism, made to delight the eyes yeah I think some people can maybe find that aesthetic aesthetic very I don't know, annoying or... People sometimes don't like quirkiness. They'd rather just have their stories told in, in, in a realistic way. And you don't really get that with Wes Anderson. Everything is put through that filter of, of him. Mm-hmm. I guess so. His characters are, as I said, very distinctive. They're very recognisable. But they are very Wes Anderson. So you wouldn't find a Wes Anderson film in an sorry a Wes Anderson character in another film because it would stand out like a like a sore thumb. You at least like it for how it looks. Yes, it is, and so every there is a sort of a YouTube channel called Every Frame of Painting, um, yes. and they, they do a sort of video essays. But genuinely, like I'd say, ninety five percent of the shots in this film you could hang on a wall and it'll look gorgeous. Everything from. Like yeah, the costumes, but it's even the inclusion of the models that that they use mm-hmm. and, and other stuff. But yeah, it's yeah, it's great. Should we move on to yours? Because I think it'll be just gushed over for, for like twenty minutes. We can though. Though I now want above the top of the stairs a nice Wes Anderson poster. Oh, very nice. We, we can do, can that. do that. Yes. And he's got a new film coming out. Well, it should have be already been out called The French Dispatch, which looks amazing. However, I think that's probably going to be coming out in spring of next year. Oh, well, there you go. 
We'll have to go see it then. We will, we will. So we will take a break and yeah. we'll be back with your film. Which is Drop Dead Gorgeous. The Mulberry Boys, every Friday night. On the show, you better know they keep it tight. ETL is back and the J-Strom's in the zone. Introduce the co-host, he doesn't do it alone. PCZ is about to hold court. You know he's on the headset, you can hear him snort. Pop culture movies, TV shows and games. Rotten Tomatoes reviews news and Blu-rays. Foggy don't play around, he will bust a drop fast. Welcome to the Entertainment Landfill Podcast. The Jason and Steven Show. It's the Jason and Steven Show. What? The Jason and Steven Show. It's the Jason and Steven Show. So, are you about ready to start the the judging? Start the interview there. I guess I could answer that. Uh, yeah, we're ready. So we should probably get the young girls in here then. You know, to, to start the interviews. Who'd you pick to be the president, dead or alive? Uh, Emperor Hirohito, Brett Favre. My mother, because she could solve world hunger with one of her blue ribbon rhubarb pies create world peace with one of her prayers, and still find time to look beautiful for my dad, Lester Lehman. Do you like to swim? Oh, yeah, I love to swim. When I was in New York, I met Greg Louganis at one of my brother's shows. So like I said, my film is the 1999 uh, Michael Patrick Jan mockumentary Drop Dead Gorgeous and it follows um, several girls who are taking part in the Miss Mount Rose beauty pageant yep. um, now the big thing about this is that it is shot as a mockumentary and um, which I feel like lends itself to the story very well because what basically happens is Somebody starts picking off the competition. Yes. So we have a few spectacular deaths and a few injuries. And I think I counted three or four different explosions. Mm-hmm. Always good if you need a bit of a bit of fire going on. So I picked this film because it was the very first mockumentary that I had ever seen. And the cast in this, it has loads and loads of people that you're going to know in it so for example it's got Kirsten Dunst and um, Denise Richards Kirsty Alley um, Brittany Murphy Amy Adams and I remember watching this film quite a, quite a while after it came out and thinking it was real <laughs> because it was done in the style of a early noughties documentary yeah, yeah. and the guys do it very well um, it's full of the usual slightly shaky camera shots, the people setting themselves up and doing their hair and everything and asking if they look okay for the camera. My favourite sort of thing in this film is where they do the whole, they're sneakily recording people. Yes. So they're like 
peeking out behind like a curtain or behind the door and they're like oh no I don't want to be recorded but they're recording them anyways which to me it just brings back so many of like well they bring they brings up cops in it yeah and of course like that is exactly what it's like it's like a a thing of cops. Well, that's the thing, and this this predates the office. It does completely predate the office. Um, it is around the time that these kind of documentaries were becoming more popular. I believe that Louis Theroux had already started in America by then, doing be, small uh... things for Michael Moore. So there were. There were like little sort of documentaries like it. And you had the Christopher Guest documentaries from the 80s and 90s, like Best in Show and This is Spinal Tap and you know what I mean? Yeah. And you can definitely see this is influenced by those sorts of things. Oh, definitely. Definitely all the way through it. So you're basically following um, Amber, who's played by Kirsten Dunst, Mm -hmm. um, through this and basically following her through the competition. She is one of the favourites to win. Um, the other favourite is Becky, who is played by Denise Richards, who is terrifying in this film. <laughs> and her mum is none other than Kirsty Alley, who, of course, was huge in the 90s. Huge. Absolutely marriage. huge. And she looks wonderful in this. But v- she definitely looks like she could be a pageant mum. Oh, absolutely. Definitely, yeah. definitely. It, it, it's just one of those things where you forget, like, just how big she was. What was it called? Victoria's Secret, was it, or something like that? She was in Victoria's Secret, and then was she in Cheers? Maybe. I think she was in Cheers, but she, she? I think Cheers came first, because that was 80s. Yeah. But, like, she, she had a huge, huge career. Huge, huge career. went off a, like a, a cliff in the 2000s. Yeah, I don't think the whole Scientology thing probably yeah, helped a huge amount. True, true, true. Um, the other thing is that it is set in a very, very small town in Minnesota, mm. um, in America. And this is very much shown by the fact that there is no people of colour in this film at all, mm. apart from three token Japanese people yes, who have adopted an American girl and basically tried to completely turn their back on their their their, their culture basically they won't well, speak well with the part apart of the, from the part from the eldest daughter yeah apart from the eldest daughter um so they have they do have that which is a little bit of like a, a bit of a joke in there um and then the other thing is that um it, it's for american made girls this yeah and Every single theme that they have had for like the past 10 years is America. America's great. We love America. Was it American? Yes. Instead of like as in I can. Yeah. And then this one is proud to be an American. And you just think, do you not have any other theme? Well, it, it, it is very much, a, a, it's not really a parody, but it's very much a sort of a satire about a certain type of America or, or American, yeah, is looking at that, and we talked about it last month, last week as well. We talked about these places where time forgot, where generally they are communities that have no outside influence. Nobody they're, they're, goes on holiday. Yeah, they're just so abroad. So, I mean, <laughs> they might go to like the next town over for a holiday, but they don't go to like Europe. But they're so they're so isolated, and then they become these. Weird little Parodies. micro yeah microcosms of 
um, well, nationalism yeah. of that patriot, weird love of... Which we find very strange because we don't have anything like that well, here, really. Well, <laughs> we have the EDL. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, beauty pageants and the EDL. But great. yeah, it's very much a biting commentary of a certain type of America, which yes. it, it is very much poking fun at. Yes. But especially it's- looking now... And especially looking at the past, these people exist. Oh my God, definitely. Definitely. You you don't, like, you, you, the thing is, with, with now with social media, all of this is all out there. So what we thought was a parody, you then get to like, because at the time I was like, nobody could be like this. I get to like, a few years later, as it is now, it's not, it's like 20. But, and then you suddenly go, this is like a real person. Yeah. I never actually thought people were like, for, like this. Like for example, Kirsty Alley could be a senator. Oh God, yes, I could totally she, see her pro NRA senator. Yeah, she she could be a um, Michelle Bach or a Sarah Palin. I was going to say a, it was the woman who thought that you could look over. She could look over the border and see Russia. Sarah yeah. Palin. Yeah. So and and that's it. And I say I do. I. I I, I, I've seen this film before. I think I've only seen it once, but I do like it in that sense. I mean, kind of be mean-spirited, yes, but yes. is that deserved sometimes? Sometimes it's not, but they use it for, for a laugh. Um, yeah. And it can't be a cheap laugh, but it's still a laugh. And the thing is, though, when you look at it, it, it it's, it's, quite, it's kind of hard to compare the two. A Wes Anderson film is made for somebody who's going to sit and they're going to think yeah. and they're going to do it. This is aimed at teenagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is going to be a lot simpler. So there are going to be more things played for a laugh as just a basic, huh, that was funny kind mm. of thing. Um, the other thing is parts of it have not aged well. They use a certain word I don't really want to use. Ari. R-E-T-A-R-D. Yes. A lot. True. They use that, but they use it to describe a guy who is... Mentally handicapped. Mentally handicapped. A lot. Who is also played by a guy who is not mentally handicapped in any way. So he is just playing it for laughs. Yeah, yeah, using that word for laughs is is not right. However, if you were in that town, they would use that word. They would use that word. And the thing is, though, it was... It's set in it's set in nineteen ninety five. Yeah. So people would have used that word anyways. Absolutely. So it is something that people would have said and people would have used. That's then. it. And and I think I mean it it gets going and you sort of you you're getting used to the vibe of the movie really. But mm-hmm. it just, the first twenty twenty five minutes it, it's sort of playing along. But when when the the black comedy, when when the darkness of the story starts to really bleed through, I think that's when it finds its legs. Definitely, like when when Alison Janney comes into it, and what I'm almost saying, like it has two of my favourite actresses. It has Amy Adams in one of her first roles. It was actually her first feature film. Oh, was it? Yep. And Alison Janney, who again, because it's Alison Janney, she just shines everybody else off the screen. Oh, she, definitely. She plays that hick, sort of horny godmother. So, so I well. love her in this so much. One, she looks great. Yeah. Like, I don't know how on earth she manages to pull off that whole look, 
but she just looks great. Mm. And the thing is as well, she I know that she's acting, but she just seems to be having a great time throughout yeah. the whole thing because it's the kind of role that where she can kind of play it up a bit. Yeah. I really kind of hope that when she was doing it, like, right, here's your lines, here's what we want to do, but just kind of kind of make it your own. Yeah. Um, so that way she could then maybe ad-lib stuff, do whatever she kind of wanted. It's little bits like when um, they are at the... Uh, so Amber, Amber ends up winning the Mount Rose. Yeah. Um, well, no, she actually becomes second runner-up. Yes. And then Denise Richards explodes on top of a giant swan. Yeah. In a parade. Um, if you watch it, it all makes sense. It's um, mainly due to her dad being a racist. So, always good. Um, and then, so she goes on to the semi-finals. Semi-finals. I think she goes to like state. State. Um, and I love the fact that it's got the two women who were in the States getting blind drunk off margaritas. Yeah. And Alison Jan is literally in the back of the shots, just like messing around, drinking, throwing like stuff at the barman, flirting with the men. And I kind of really like the idea that at that point she was, would have just been given like a general direction. We want you to like sort of like play up as if you were at a bar. Yeah, I mean... Because she's not 100% in focus either. Yeah, but that's it. And I think Alice and Johnny at that point wasn't Alice and Johnny. She this, this would have been filmed before The West Wing. Yes. And The West Wing is where Alice and Johnny sort of became... I, mean, I think she won like four Emmys in like seven years. And she became World Watch years. Mm-hmm. So it's just... She, she has the look <clears throat> down. She has the voice down. Yeah. And just her... Demeanor is so perfect, and you've got Ellen Barkin, I think, as Zamba's mother. Yes, who again really pulls off the hick look. Yeah, her hair is amazing. Love her in it. Um, but really, like Kirsten Dunst, really pulls this off. She she's very it. she's very sincere. She's very cute. She's very she's the good person of the piece. So when when she's doing it, you actually you do want to root for her throughout it because she she's she's a genuinely nice person. Mm. She's going off and she's helping the previous winner who is in hospital because she's got anorexia. <laughs> um which again sadly is played for laughs, but yeah. Um, the character herself is quite a good character. Yeah, so yeah, no, she is, but that that's Sort of again being about the beauty pageants and the pressures that they're put under and things. Yes. So I I don't mind having that laugh. No, because it, it, it's it, she doesn't miraculously jump up and start no. doing things. It's very accurate. It is a little bit funny, but it's a very dark humour. Yes. Um, and then the other thing is we have to have our Brittany Murphy in this. Yeah. Because she's. Again, I just I love Brittany Murphy, and it's such a shame that she's not she's not with us anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, it's like how she is in Clueless; she plays teenage so well. And I know she's not very old in this, um, but she she you everybody knows a girl like that who is giggly and loud and a bit fun and a bit crazy and. She totally encapsulates that whole character. She makes that character very believable. Mm. And um, yeah, I just, I just, I thought it was a nice quirky film. It's something a bit different 
because quite often when you think of mockumentaries, it's usually quite a serious sort of subject. Whereas um, for things like beauty pageants, there hasn't, there's been a lot of things on TV about them. You have like the toddlers and tiaras that ran for, I don't know if that's still going, probably is. Yeah. I know it's on before my hoarders pro- program, so <laughs> it might still be on the TV. But it's, um, it kind of went from making fun to people having a morbid fascination yeah. to the beauty pageant industry. I mean, we've had three films about beauty pageants. We've a Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, yeah. Last week, yes, and now we've had okay. Just so people are wondering, I don't want to take part in the pageant, <laughs> I just do have a really morbid fascination in them, and I think again, it's because it's something that has now started to come over here, yeah, but it's not part of the culture, and it's not something like. 10 years ago if somebody said oh yeah I'm doing a beauty pageant you'd be like what? why what are you doing but, but, but it's like anybody who's passionate about something that you don't really understand yeah. you become interested in it and like again these have been American staples pa- pastimes yeah, for years for years and, and, but well, as we look at outside we're like but that's just really weird so therefore yeah you find it interesting especially the ones that even have with the girls that who are really young and they try and make them look like Really, you Dolly Parton. Yeah. But yeah, so you, you like this movie? I love this movie. Um, I also love the fact that um, the uh, when they go to the Mall of America, it's not a Mall of America, but it is the same mall that they filmed Mall Rats in. Is it? It is that mall that they filmed Mall Rats in it. And um, the other thing that I found out quite interesting about this was... Um, Kirsty Alley wouldn't go to any of the fittings right. for her character's costumes. So she she actually made wardrobes, send them all to the Scientology headquarters. And that's where she would go and try them on. She wouldn't let anybody in. It would just be people from Scientology just doing it. There you go. Which I thought was a bit weird. Yeah. But Scientology is an entirely different podcast. <laughs> but... Yeah, so I think that's probably us for another show. That is us for this week. And I'm not sure what we're doing next week. We will get on with our monster movie marathon this week, I think, as well. And we'll get that at the end of the month. We're not doing anything this week. No. This weekend. This weekend, so we can actually spend some time. Watching films. Yes. But yeah, that is it from me. That's another show in the bag. Yes. And Remember to go on Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. Give us a review, please. Yes. Give us a rating. So we we can, can give you a shout out if you give us a rating. Yeah, if you give us a rating, we we'll give you, give a, you shout a shout out. out. Absolutely. And if you, you know, if you say something bad, we you might give... not. But if you say something nice, we'll say something, we'll, we'll give you a shout out, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just gonna bribe people now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, that is it for another show. So that's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. See you next week. <laughs>